Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Everyone, you'll have to excuse any strange background noises you might hear uh, during this week's dailies as they are uh, actively working on the roof. They're, they're overhead with cranes and machines and uh, lots of hammers. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to press through this. But if you hear a little background noise, that's what it is. Hi, everyone. We continue our look at Ephesians, one of Paul's prison letters. And uh, I've, I've titled this daily today, Three Mysteries and Five Lettuces which uh, probably sounds like a mystery to you as well. So three mysteries and five lettuces. So let's take a look. Um, the passage that I've been given is, is Ephesians chapter 3, uh, 1 to 13. And probably as you've already heard, um, the, the theme of Ephesians really is, is that of, of unity. Paul encouraging this diverse church in, in, a, in a multicultural city, Ephesus, that was an important trade port. It was uh, a Roman, um, important, important to the Romans as well. So we have Romans, we have Greeks, we have Jews, we have uh, the temple of Artemis um, or the goddess Diana uh, kind of related to that as well. So quite a diverse place and, and you know, a, a need for unity and, and particularly within the church. So that's part of why Paul has written Ephesians to, to encourage these believers, hey, you need to get along. You know, we're all the same. We're all saved by the same grace and, and we've been shown the same mercy. And, and I just think it's so relevant to us today, you know, here in Canada, when we, we have, uh, you know, f- factions and, and splinters and, and all sorts of different diversity in our culture and, 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 a, and a cry out to, for unity, which I don't believe can happen unless we know the Lord Jesus in, in a complete way. Um, I think we'll never find unity until we know him. So let's look at, uh, let's have a look at this. And I, and I love this passage. I love when I find a passage that's bookended. So the, the 13 verses I've been given are, are bookended by two verses that very much relate to each other. So let me read verse 1. Verse 1, Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. So he's almost starting by saying, I'm a prisoner because of you. <laughs> it's for your sake, it's because of you that I'm a prisoner. And then he finishes up in verse 13, he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which actually is your glory. So Paul's saying, I'm, I'm a prisoner. Yes, I'm a prisoner because of you, because really, because I, I'm preaching God, the gospel to you. I've been put in prison but don't be discouraged because actually it's fantastic. And everything in between those two verses kind of explains that. And, and he, he, he does it in a way by, by expressing, he uses the word mystery, I don't know, five times. Uh, there's, there's, there's beautiful language in these verses, but it's really expressing that the, the very fact that it doesn't matter that I'm in prison because actually there's something fantastic and something wonderful that's available to you. And, and I don't mind being in prison because of it, because it's for your glory. So he says, I'm in prison for your sakes, but don't be discouraged because of three mysteries. So let's look, look at these three mysteries. And one of them is going to be personal. It's going to be personal to Paul. One of them is going to be collective. So that, that of the group of, of believers. And then the other is going to be divine. So let's look at the first one. The first one, uh, the first mystery that, that kind of encompasses or is in between these bookmarks is the mystery of God's grace given to me. So this is personal to Paul. And he expresses this a few different ways. He, in, verse, in verse 2, he says, Surely you have heard about my, the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known by revelation. So 
he, Paul recognizes that, that actually he's saved by grace, so it's to do with his salvation. He says also in, in verse 6, he says, The mystery that is through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together. Sorry, verse, verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. I am less than the least of all God's people. This grace was given me. So Paul expressing that, you know, the, the first mystery is actually that he's actually saved, that he's received God's grace, God's mercy. And, and I think he, he kind of um, sums that up in, in perhaps a clearer way in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy um, chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And then he goes on and says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. So Paul begins this, this passage in three different places and, and expresses that, that actually it's a mystery. It's a mystery that I'm saved. It's a mystery that I've been shown God's grace. So, so that's for Paul personally. It's to do with his salvation, but also his, his purpose as well. So he, he makes it very clear here that, that the, the administration, the gift of God's grace, it was not just that he could be saved, but actually it was to give him purpose. And that purpose really is to share the gospel and express the gospel to the Gentiles. Um, I, I love chapter 2. If I'd been able to choose the passage that I could share with you, I would have chosen chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Because I think that is probably one of the clearest passages on on kind of a template for our testimony because it, it begins with, you know, I was dead in my sins in the way in which I used to live and, and, and then, you know, we're objects of God's wrath in verse, in verse 3. But then verse 4 is this wonderful turning point where he says, but because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy made me alive. So verses 1 to 10, I was dead, but because of his love I've been made alive. How I've been made alive? by a free gift, God's grace. So that's great. But then verse 10 reminds us that we're not just saved to get us out of hell and into heaven, but actually we're, we're saved for service. Verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So I encourage you today, as you, as you listen to this, to, to just re remember the mystery of, of the very fact that we've been saved. We don't deserve it, but we've been saved by God's grace. But not just saved just to, 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 save, to get us out of hell, but actually save for us to give us purpose. And Paul expresses that. His purpose is really a, a very clear that he would share the gospel with the Gentiles. So that's the first mystery, personal to Paul. The second one is collective. So don't be discouraged because I'm in chains, because the mystery of the unity, because of the mystery that, of unity that is um, available in the gospel of Christ Jesus. And, and this, this is quite a theme. This is really the, the theme of, um, of Ephesians is that, that uh, as he says in chapter 2, the two have become one. Let me read verse 14 of chapter 2. For he himself is our peace. So this is referring to Jesus. He himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law and its commandments. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. So Paul says, don't worry that I'm in chains because actually I'm in chains because of you, but I'm able to share that you now have a part in God's plan. 
And, and he says in, in verse 6, he says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, so that's who Paul's writing to, are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So it's a wonderful uh, co collective gospel that Paul's sharing, that we're all one, we're all, we're all brought into that same promise. And it really breaks down all those cultural barriers, it breaks down religious barriers, it breaks down you know, national barriers, gender barriers, and so on. And, uh, and, and that's an incredible mystery, isn't it? That, that through the gospel, that, that is possible. A collective unity is available. And then the other thing, collectively, which, which I think is an incredible mystery, is that, that actually us as believers, the church, we're, we're actually a testimony to the heavenly beings. And perhaps we don't, well, we don't really know what the heavenly beings are. So we, in, in chapter 6 of Ephesians, Paul talks about the, the, the evil forces, the evil powers in the heavenly realms. But we also know that, that God is, is served on his throne by angels and uh, cerebrum and all sorts of other heavenly beings. So we don't really understand all of that. But, but verse 10 says, His intent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So actually, it's quite incredible, isn't it? The, the very fact that, that we've been saved by God's grace and God's eternal plan that was, that was set in place before all eternity, you know, that we would actually be saved, is we're now a testimony displaying that to the heavenly beings. So in other words, it seems like those heavenly beings weren't aware of what God was doing. His, his plan was hidden. So what an incredible mystery that, that not only are we all one in Christ, that there's no difference. There's no difference with, with our, the color of our skin, our gender or whatever. We're, we're all the same and, and that we're actually, we're all testimonies of God's grace. We're all testimonies to the heavenly beings of, of God's plan. So that is a mystery, isn't it? So that's the second mystery, collective. The first one was personal. And here's the third one, the mystery of access to God. It's, it's a mystery, isn't it, that we fallen human beings, sinners, now have access to God. And Paul says that in verse 10. He says, in him, so this is in Jesus, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Isn't that great that we now may approach God, not just approach him in fear and trembling, but actually approach him in, in, with freedom and confidence. And I, I think that's quite incredible, isn't it, that that God accomplished that through Jesus Christ. And that was always his plan. That, that, that is the testimony that actually now we can, we can approach God confidently and freely. And that brings us to our five lettuces. And, and we'll, finish, we'll finish with this. In, in Hebrews 11, it, it, it ties in this access, the access we have to God. And, and I love these verses, the, the writer of the Hebrews. But he, I'll, I'll read the beginning here, verse 19 of chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we, since we have a great priest over the house of God. So since that, because of that, then we have five lettuces. And this isn't a vegetable. I know it sounded like a vegetable, but actually they're, they're five let us. So because of what he's done for us, and this is always the, the motivation for our, our action is because of what he's done. Because we now have access, because we're one in Christ, because he saved us by his incredible mercy and grace, Here's the first one, verse 22, let us draw near to God. And there's actually these five let us is, um, three of them are verbs, but they're subjunctive, which means that they're, 
they're, they're possibilities. So really, the onus is on us. So we, we can have access to God, which is great, but we're encouraged in our relationship to him to choose to draw near to him. See, I think it's possible for us to be saved and, and, and receive his grace and mercy, but not be close to him in relationship. So, so this is the, in a sense, this is the so what. This is, you know, in a sense, what we looked at in Ephesians chapter 3, 1 to 13, I gave you information. So now here's the, the so what. Because we have access, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. So there's the first lettuce. It's a choice we have to, to continually draw near to him. We have access to him. We've come to him through his grace and mercy, but let's, let's draw near to him. Here's the second lettuce. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And, and that's, that's easy for us, isn't it? It's easy for us to, to drift away from that hope where we have doubts. And, and I think that's what the enemy likes to do. He likes to sling those doubts at us. And again, this is subjunctive. So we have a choice to, to not listen to, to, to that wrong voice of, hey, is this really real? And, and trust him to hold unswervingly. Don't you like that? Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And then the third lettuce is let us continue, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So that's great, isn't it? So in a sense, the first one is let us draw near to God. That's, that's personal to us. That's a choice we make to spend time with him. Let us hold unswervingly. So let's be determined to hold to that hope. And then this one involves other people, doesn't it? So let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And then the last two lettuces really tell us how to do that because they're not actually verbs, they're, they're participles. So they explain how we should spur one another on. And the first one is, let us not give up meeting together. So that's, that's great, isn't it? We need to meet together. It's important that we meet together as believers to spur one another on. And then the last one is, let us encourage one another um, because the day is approaching. So how do we spur one another on? We meet together and we encourage each other. So that's it. That, that, that to me is the so what. It's wonderful that we've been given access to God, that, that he saved us by his grace and mercy. Just like Paul, we, we must have thankful hearts, but, but let us draw near to him. Let us hold to that hope we have and let's spur one another on. Let me pray. Father, thank you once again for your word. Thank you for, for, for Paul, who you inspired to pen these words to us or for us. Uh, I guess a couple of thousand years ago. And Father, I pray that we would have a desire to, to be nearer to you, to draw nearer to you, that we would not listen to, to voices of doubt, but would, would have our full hope and trust in, in the confidence we have in knowing you. And Father, help us then not just to exist in, in that kind of self-focused area, but to, to, to want to serve one another. Give us the, the strength and the wisdom and, uh, and, and just the opportunity to, to spur one another on through encouragement and through meeting together. In your name, amen.